pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Little flip to Fitzgerald, he scores! We ain't got to do nothing special now. We just got to do our job. We can dance if we want to. We can leave your friends behind. Because your friends don't dance, and if they don't dance, well, there no friends of mine. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Safety Dance NFL podcast and we've got a really busy show in store for you this week. First off we'll have SB Nation NFL writer Gina Thomas on the line from Atlanta, Georgia. She's going to talk to us about the Falcons obviously and perhaps their lack of Super Bowl hangover and how they're getting on without the offensive genius that is Kyle Shanahan this season. We'll also have Gary Somerville of the Paddy Pig Skin podcast join us to take part in our Pick 6 challenge where we go head-to-head with listeners trying to pick the result of six of the weekend's biggest games. We went 4-2 and two last week against Ronan Murphy of Goal.com and we are really hoping to keep that streak going against Gary this week. My name is Steve O'Rourke and I'm joined as always by Onluko Kalig who is left with a defence and a kicker after his fantasy football team saw yet another player head for injured reserve this week and speaking of IR we're missing Paul Hosford for most of this podcast as he's not feeling very well today so get well soon Paul we've sent a bunch of grapes and a glass bottle of Lucasade to your house for you how's the form on Luke? Not bad now not bad yourself? Ah not too bad I can't complain too much 2-0 and for the Raiders it's it's uh, been a relatively comfortable start to the season yeah, even, even if it was the Jets uh, Cardinals came out of Indianapolis with a win not technically I, I don't think anybody really won though did they <laughs> no I think football was the loser yeah, there yeah Look, we're going to start in with a really quick chat this week about Elliot Harrison's NFL power rankings. It's somewhat controversial, I suppose. Um, some surprises we'll get to later on. Uh, hard to argue with some of them, I suppose, towards the top. He has the Chiefs, Raiders and Patriots as his top three, which means that the one-loss Patriots are ahead of the 2-0 Falcons. bit strange there. Yeah, they're ahead of a few 2-0 teams. I mm. think the, the Steelers are 2-0 as well, aren't they? Um, yeah, and down in fifth place. Yeah, and the Broncos then. And, like, I suppose, <laughs> yeah, there, there, there is a bit of uh, residual awe there for the 28-3 comeback. But, yeah, like, like the, the, I suppose the... Do they deserve the spot there in number three? Um, you'd be happy enough that they're behind the Raiders, like. But uh, well, the Raiders, like the Raiders, have a good win over the Titans. They took care of business against the Jets. It was a very comfortable win. They were able to bench Marshawn Lynch basically from the middle of the third quarter, which is good for considering his aging legs. Like to me, the three of the best five teams in football are in the AFC West or the Raiders or the Chiefs or the Broncos whatever order you put them in I think it's a bit of a coin toss obviously the Broncos had a great win over the Cowboys yeah. but the Chiefs have a win over the Patriots so it's it, it's it's very just it's just difficult to see the Falcons who you know they did struggle in week one against the Bears but you know they absolutely hammered the Packers yeah. and so that that has to count for me the strangest thing of all is, is the Carolina Panthers all the way down at 16th despite being 2-0, and um, which is pretty incredible. Like, Obviously, their their offense hasn't really got going yet. Carson Palmer doesn't look great, but their defense has been really, really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I suppose a 2-0 team down that far, it is, I suppose, kind of baffling, but especially it's the 49ers and the Bills they played, is it? Mm. Like... The Bills, fair enough, they're, they're a good team. The 49ers are still trying to piece things back together. Yeah. Like, but keeping Lashawn McKay to nine yards, nine yeah. yards is incredible. Like that, D should be rewarded. And and you know we talk enough, and we have talked on this podcast, and I've written it for the forty two about bad offensive line play. But the 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 Panthers keeping teams low scoring isn't to do with bad offensive lines. It's just to do with really good defense. Yeah, yeah. I I suppose like who who do, who does he have ahead of them there like to uh, well, kind of put it in context? Yeah, I suppose in context the the one and zero Dolphins who are only one and zero because of a bad missed field goal are ahead are directly ahead of them. Yeah, the one and one Eagles, the one and one Titans. Titans you could argue are ahead of them. The Cowboys down at twelfth. That's probably low for the Cowboys. Yeah, like yeah. that's the first bad game of Dak Prescott's career. Yeah, and by bad he was just he just looked like an average NFL quarterback yeah. in that game. Having an off day. Yeah, so. To to me, it, it's it's not that big a deal. Like there are some there are some two and O teams that 
I would question the Ravens. I'm just looking here, are ranked 11th in, in the NFL.com power rankings. Like, to me, the Ra- there's very little difference between the Ravens and the Jaguars, for example, because, you know, one's 2-0, and one's 1-1. One and one. They both have very suspect offences, but good elite even defences so to, to for, for me there's there's very little difference there I think the Seahawks at 9 they've been so poor on offence that it's really hard to justify them being a top 10 team <laughs> um, but I, I'd be on, without you know plugging my own wares here I, after 4 weeks and probably every 4 weeks I'll, I'll be doing my own power rankings unless the Seahawks significantly improve their offensive line play they're getting nowhere near my top 10 anyway. yeah, I, I that, can t- that's very fair to be honest I can tell you that so um, yeah so I mean obviously these things are subjective um, yeah but I do think it, it, it's interesting that someone like the Broncos, who have such a big win, you know, against the Cowboys, can't even break the, the, the top five. Yet mm. the Patriots can be top three with with a loss, a bad home loss to the. Well, the it, it kind of has a feel that he's taken the last few games of last season into account there, and there's there's that kind of I suppose he's kind of thinking right. Well, I, when they are two games in, there's not an awful lot to go on, I yeah. suppose. So he obviously is kind of thinking how they were towards the end of last season and. I suppose maybe comparing how how much they've improved and but but taking in into account how these players played in the towards the end of last season as well, so that might account for some of the some of the dodgy yeah dodgy calls. absolutely and there's no doubt that the fact that the it's the Patriots and yeah. they've had so much success with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady that that is obviously going to be a factor as Th- well that could be an argument for why the Seahawks are top 10 as well like, yeah so. absolutely uh, yeah the, you get an awful lot of leeway when you win a Super Bowl yeah. the Falcons yeah. as we said they, they are number 4 and before Paul began feeling poorly he spoke with Gina Thomas an NFL writer for SB Nation who covers the Falcons here's what she had to say about the defending NFC champions after watching them in practice today Joining me on the line now is Gina Thomas, an SB Nation NFL writer who covers the Atlanta Falcons. Gina, thanks for joining us here on the Safety Dance podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I suppose we'll start with the with the obvious question. We're in September now. Have you heard and seen every single 28 to 3 joke and meme that's on the internet? Every day, I think that I must have heard and seen them all, and then every day people come up with new ones. And so, actually, they aren't even new ones. They just recycle the old ones. So, I think most people, other than Falcons fans, still think that that's very humorous. Uh, Falcons fans, I think, are a little bit tired of it. In terms of the team, are, are the team over it? Is this a team that has forgotten it? Is, do you forget something like that? You know, you really can't forget it, but I do think that they've used it as motivation. Um, and I think that that's been very good. I think that that's kind of the level of focus that we've seen from them over these first two weeks of the regular season. I think that's where that's come from. And in terms of of last season, do the guys do the, do you get the sense from the team that they're looking at it like, look, we got to a point where very few teams ever get to. A lot of teams, a lot of great players have never played in a Super Bowl. There's no reason to think we can't go back to a Super Bowl. Yeah, I think that that's absolutely true. And one of the things that's interesting about Dan Quinn is that he doesn't really let them think that far ahead. And I think that's part of the reason they were able to get to a Super Bowl, even though they have, you know, a very young defense and that sort of thing. Um, And so he just keeps them focused on the next game. As a matter of fact, I was in the locker room after the game on Sunday, and some of the defensive backs were like, hey, do you know who we play next week? Because all they had been focused on were the Green Bay Packers. They hadn't thought ahead to the following week. <laughs> like, uh, you guys play the Lions? <laughs> like, oh. um, so, you know, now it's time for them to focus on the Lions, so they'll be focused on that. But I bet they don't know who they play the week after that. So I don't think that they're thinking that far ahead, like this is a team that can get back to the Super Bowl. I think they're focused on winning right now so that they have an opportunity to get back there. You touched on, on Sunday's. You know, uh, I th- I thought Sunday. I spoke last week about how, in week one against the Bears, I wasn't overly impressed with the Falcons. I, I didn't. Th- I thought that maybe there was a bit of of a hangover there. And on Sunday, I know the scoreline. You know, thirty four to twenty three doesn't look like a blowout, but this was a blowout win. Yeah, it really was. And you know, a lot of Green Bay's points came later in the game when they were playing prevent prevent defense, which is, you know, always one of the risks of that. Um, I do think that in week one against the Bears, I know that Devontae Freeman said that 
the turf wasn't that great at Soldier Field. They couldn't get the run game going. If you take away that balance, this offense is much easier to defend. And at home against the Packers, they were able to get the ground game running, and um, I think that that made a big difference. And just the way that the defense played, too, I think that the defense did need to settle in a little bit, but they played extraordinarily well against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Yeah, and it's a bit of a, I suppose you said that the defensive backs may, maybe didn't know who, who they're playing this Sunday. It's not going to get any easier from a, from a defensive back point of view this Sunday. They play, they, they go up against Matt Stafford and the Lions. Right, and that's a team that's pretty close to full strength. Uh, Stafford can extend plays much like Aaron Rodgers can. They have a really strong running game. They have a really good screen pass game. And that's really what teams try to do with a, with a team like Atlanta that develops a pretty aggressive pass rush. They try to go to the short game and the quick passes, and Detroit's actually a team that can pull that off. And then on defense, um, they have um, Ziggy Ansah, who's a really a really good pass rusher. And so they actually Atlanta's right tackle is probably going to be out on Sunday because they have a concussion. Then they have a new guy starting at right guard who is just making his third professional start. So there's a little bit of weakness on that side of the line. So I mean, it's it's not going to be an easy challenge. I suppose, I suppose we, we talk, um, the last two weeks we've talked a lot about about offensive line play and about how important it is. Alex Mack was probably, I think he was the highest rated PFF player for the Falcons on Sunday, which after last week we looked at the, the Packers who, you know, their defensive line absolutely dominated the Seattle O-line. So you're saying that this Sunday that's the matchup to, to watch out for, Ziggy Anta against a, a bit of inexperience on the, on the Falcons O-line? Yeah, I would say that that's the biggest concern. Um, I think that Ty Sombrilo, who is new, he's only they signed him after final roster cut, and so he's just you know kind of getting his wrapping his mind around the scheme and that sort of thing. And he'll likely get the start at right tackle, and then Les Schweitzer at right guard is settling in. But you know, game speed is very very different from preseason games and from college and so it's definitely an adjustment for him so it's not going to be an easy road for the offensive line it's different when Ryan Schrader is there at right tackle because he's one of the better right tackles in the league and if you sandwich somebody inexperienced in between him and Alex Mack who is one of the best if not the best center in the league um then it's you know a little bit less of a concern but when you have somebody new starting on the edge too that's potentially problematic as a Tennessee Titans fan, I'm loath to say this, but the the running back combination, the one-two that the Falcons have, is probably the best in the league. How good can these guys can Coleman and Freeman be as a one-two punch this year? You know, I think that they can be great, not just on the ground, but also through the air. They're both very accomplished receivers, and it's kind of interesting because Kevin was not in his rookie season, and he and I have joked about it because he went to Indiana, and I'm an Ohio State girl, and so. I remember he ran all over Ohio State when he was in college. And when Atlanta drafted him, I was like, oh, my goodness, I hate this kid. <laughs> because I was still a little bit better. But, um, he, you know, he was their whole offense. He never had to learn how to run routes. He never had to catch a pass. Indiana doesn't throw the ball. So his rookie season, that was a big adjustment for him, and it wasn't really a factor for him. But something that he really worked to improve over that off season and into his second season and He's a very accomplished receiver now. Devontae always has been. And so they're both really versatile weapons, which makes them that much harder to defend. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm really excited to see what those two guys could do. The thing is, if you have both of them, they can rotate in, keep each other fresh, and then they have the potential to do that much more damage. Yeah, um, going back to, to Sunday, Sunday was obviously the, a big day for the city, a big day for, for the franchise, the official opening of uh, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. How big a boost is that to, to a franchise that tries to look forward? How big a boost is kind of getting out of a, an older stadium into into new digs? You know, I was one of the people who thought that maybe they were jumping the gun a little bit with the new stadium. But now that I've been in there, it's really incredible. It's just, it's really nice. Everything is brand new. Everything is really thoughtfully designed. But they've really put an emphasis on the, on the fan experience. And so I know that fans love it, but having talked to players about it players love it too it's just a nice place to play now they have these nice new locker rooms you know the old ones were pretty run down in the georgia dome and yeah i mean it's it's a beautiful space the players are really happy to be in there the one thing that was kind of a challenge for them because they're accustomed to playing at home in a dome 
is they're used to playing in air conditioning, and they had the roof open on Sunday night. It was very humid, so a lot of guys had some cramping. And so that's one thing that they're going to have to be aware of is just man hydration and nutrition, making sure that they're not going to cramp up while it's so hot in Atlanta, which is going to be probably well into October. So it's going to be, I suppose... It's, it's very odd for us because here in Ireland things have gone cold already or started to go cold already so you're saying that it's going to be humid and warm up until the end of October which is unfathomable to me. Yeah, it's, it's 87 degrees right now and about 65% humidity I think so it's still very much summer weather here. And that, that's, that's very, very tough football weather as well. Yeah. It feels like the stadium is coming out at, at a really good time for the franchise generally though because, you know, there was a couple of years where the Falcons weren't contenders. They weren't even divisional, divisional contenders. And it feels like th- this has kind of come at exactly the right moment. You know, Super Bowl runners-up, one of the favourites to at least make the NFC Championship game this year. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And I think that it was a real concern for um, Falcons management, you know, they were building this during those two bad years, 2013, or 2003 bad years, 13, 14, and 15. And so I know, especially in 2015, they were trying to sell seats. They were trying to sell season tickets for the new stadium. And people, I mean, they just weren't selling because people were like, I don't want to pay to go watch an 8 and 18. And so, of course, after the Super Bowl, even with the way that it ended, people were much more excited. I think that people have a lot of confidence in Dan Quinn and in the talent that he's assembled on this roster, and so people are excited. It was full. Um, they had over, you know, well over 70,000 tickets distributed. So it was considered a sellout for Sunday Night Football. So I suppose looking at the at the team kind of in, into that future, Thomas Dimitrov has a, has a reputation as a, as a savvy team builder, and obviously he's put together a, an incredible roster in Atlanta now. How long is this team going to be able to compete for? Is this a team that's built to win a Super Bowl this year or bust? Or is there any concerns about next year? You know, the nice thing is is that Matt Ryan is still very much in his prime. And, of course, he and Julio Jones are the centerpieces on offense. Devontae Freeman is very young, and they've just locked him up with the contract extension. Kevin Coleman's still on his rookie contract. Um I guess, you know, where I'd have more concern is along the offensive line. Some of those guys are a little bit older, but it's not a situation where they're going to have to replace multiple players at once. They'll be able to work around that. Austin Hooper, who, you know, second-year tight end, he's a guy that the team can really build around. I think he's going to be a really key piece of that offense this year. So really on offense, I think that they're set for at least the next three years. I don't think that you'll see any major changes over the next three years. On defense, it's wonderful because eight of their starters have three or fewer years of NFL experience. So on the defensive side of the ball, they are extremely young. And so that defense is set for the foreseeable future, assuming that they refine everybody after their rookie contracts. In terms then of the, the division, this is going to be, you know, we, we picked it as probably the strongest of the NFC divisions. Um, maybe the second strongest division in all, in all of the NFL. You, you know, the, the Panthers are two and zero. The Bucks are one and zero. That they didn't play their first week game, and and then obviously the Saints are are zero and two. I I think the Saints might be a little better than than they've looked, but I don't think they're they're going to trouble it. But you could be looking at three teams who are going to win nine or ten games in in that division. Yeah, I think that that's certainly believable. Um, I know that going into the season, people thought that the Panthers wouldn't be just because they had such a severe Super Bowl hangover the previous season, but they, I expected them to bounce back. This is just what I expected. Losing Greg Olson for a few weeks was not going to help, though. And so, I mean, he's a very productive tight end for them, and so it'll be interesting to see how they adapt to that. And then um, with Tampa Bay, I, I love, well, I don't love because they're playing with Falcons, obviously, twice per year, but I, I think that they had a very smart approach this year in giving James Winston more talent to work with, and the defense looks really good. They looked really good last week. So, And, I, I mean, it was against the Bears, so I think you do have to kind of adjust your expectations. But um, I think that the Bucks are very talented. The Saints, every year they say that they're going to fix that defense. Every year they don't fix that defense. But Drew Brees can always keep them in contention. And so, I, you know, I think that you're right. I think that they're probably better than they played. 
it must be it must be fairly sweet at this point to have the Falcons on such an upswing and and the Saints looking to be on a bit of a downswing. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Especially because those are the people who send the most twenty to three jokes my way. <laughs> <laughs> Then in terms, of, finally, in terms of this weekend, uh, um, Vic Beasley, Courtney Upshaw ruled out, so so that's going to be that's going to be a bit of a, a bit of an issue there. Do mm-hmm. do the Falcons roll into Motor City and get the job done? I think that they do. Uh, the nice thing about this Falcons defense, and this is something that Falcons fans have not had the luxury of for several years, is that they really have remarkable depth that. I, pretty much every position on defense. And so when you look at, they've got seven sacks through two games. Two of those are Vic Beasley's, but then, um, you know, Adrian Claiborne has one. Brian Poole, the Nickelback, has one. Um, somebody else has two. I can't even remember who it is. But, you know, they, so they've been able to kind of spread that around a little bit, which is really nice. And lots of different guys have been able to get pressure on quarterbacks. And so I think that that, I think that they'll be okay with Vic out and with Upshaw out. Uh, the, the part that I'm more concerned about, like I already said, is Ryan Schrader. And it's possible that he will clear the concussion protocol, but I don't think that he will. So I think that the Falcons will go into Detroit and get a win. However, I think that um, Ziggy Ansah is not going to make it easy for them. And I think that the weakness there along the offensive line is a concern going into this game. Would you be bold enough to give us a scoreline? Oh, gosh, I think it's going to be close. I'm going to say 27 to 24 Falcons. All right, there you have it. Gina Thomas, thanks so much for joining us here on the Safety Dance Podcast. We'll, we'll, we might talk to you later in the season as the Falcons roll towards another Super Bowl, maybe. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me. Take care. Lays it up for Freeman, and it's incomplete. It's, and, or did he came in? The catch at the 15. What are they going to roll? And he caught it. Touchdown. And that was Gina Thomas uh, of SB Nation. She covers the Falcons. What I thought she had some interesting things to say there, home Luke. I mean, what have you made of the Falcons' season so far? It's been a bit up and down. Yeah, well, like yeah, by definition, the first game struggling against uh, struggling against the Bears, then the second game winning against the Packers in like in good fashion. A, a team that like we did really well in Week One, so. I suppose yeah, but just by definition, up and down is a, is a way to describe it. Yeah, uh, like obviously there was the the Packers lost both their left and right tackle before the start of the mm. game, and, and and that Atlanta defense is really really good. Even if on last week's show we talked about how they were the Seahawks light and the Packers had accounted for the Seahawks, but the Packers had both their tackles in that game, and I think that does make a difference. I think the the Falcons are a different team on grass than they are on turf as well. Um, and I think that that new stadium, like I've I've been completely wrong on 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 home openers this season. Um, I thought the Texans after after Harvey Hurricane Harvey would come into Houston and blow the Jags away because of the passion and you know no everything that went yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry about that, people of Houston. Uh, and and I was completely wrong. It was the other way around. And and likewise, I thought with the Falcons, I thought the pressure this 1.2 billion dollar stadium, the fact that the last time most of these Falcons fans saw Atlanta was when they were absolutely bottling the Super Bowl mm. I thought that might be too big a weight to bear and, and, and I was completely wrong so it goes to show there's a theory that I mean you can discount every result in in September because the smart teams don't want to show their entire playbook in yeah. September they want to save it for the latter stages of the season when it really counts but you know I, I think the Falcons will be a week to week proposition we saw we haven't seen enough evidence yet to, to know whether there is a Super Bowl hangover there or not yet yeah oh, that's absolutely true and I, I guess there is kind of the, the last competitive game that they played in was uh, b- b- before the Bears game was that Super Bowl and that is going to take a bit of I suppose for, if just from a mental point of view that's going to take a bit to come back from and maybe they needed that game where they struggled a bit against a, a poor Bears team to I suppose just find their feet again and like they they were phenomenal last year like uh, Matt Ryan and his offense like uh, were just Jones the whole lot of them they were, they were fantastic last year so like it, it could be a case that mentally they just needed to they just need to build up the couple of wins and they'll get the confidence back and f- after after a big win against the Packers that could well be back now and we they, they could continue to 
does dominate again this year. Absolutely, and I think if the AFC West is the, the best division in football, the, the NFC South has a very compelling argument to be the second best, but the Falcons, the, the Bucks obviously had their first game of the season, looked really good against the Bears, and as we've already talked about, the, the Panthers' defence is, is an elite-level defence as long as Luke Keekley manages to play 16 games, which you know is no guarantee either. But yeah, that's a tough division, and that's, that's, that's probably why... I was a little bit down on the Falcons at the start of the season. They're proving me wrong so far, but, you know, let's wait and see. So, on this week's Pick 6 Challenge, we're joined by Gary Somerville of the Paddy Pigskin Podcast. Gary, obviously you've got your podcast, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but how did you get into American football in the first place? Yeah, first of all, thanks very much for having me on, Stephen. Uh, appreciate the uh, the invite to come on to another show. Um, I got into American football through my dad, really. He started watching it back in the early 80s. I think it was the first wave, really, of um, fans in the UK and Ireland when um, they started showing weekly games. And I believe the first Super Bowl shown on TV in the UK and Ireland was the 85 Super Bowl when the Bears beat the Patriots. So... Yeah, that was the first Super Bowl he watched and he got really into the game. And then as he got a little bit older, uh, he'd take me over to the pub the odd time and I'd watch I'd watch one or two games um, before I had to go to bed. So yeah, I, I got into it from quite an, a young age, but I didn't really understand the game too much. And it was only when I got older into my late teenage years, I really started to get into it. And I did two J1s in New York as well. So I got the, the really big exposure to two of the teams there. And my dad is a Jets fan, and I have family in New York, so there was no way I was going to be a Jets fan. So I ended up rooting <laughs> for the New York Giants. And um, the way I got into the game, actually, in Ireland was I started my PhD in a lab in Trinity College. And one of the senior scientists there, his name is Paul Smith. A lot of people from the UIFL may know him. He played tight end for the Dublin Rebels. He asked me if I wanted to get involved with the team. I said I played a bit of guy when I was younger and played a bit of goalkeeper, so I might be able to run and catch. And yeah, he had me try out for the Rebels, and yeah, I played with the Rebels for five years. It was really good fun, and um, got to win a couple of Shamrock balls, which was great. And I still play a bit of football over here in the US. I only play flag now though, but it's a pretty good standard of football. Um, guys that play D three college level and stuff like that. So I still get to keep my feet wet, but. Also get to protect me brain at the same time. <laughs> That's the important bit. Uh, you're obviously a Giants fan, you said, and you're living and working in Boston. Uh, do you get many chances to remind them of the two Super Bowl wins? I do, yeah, because I wear I wear a lot of Giants gear around the place. I have loads of hats and hoodies and all that kind of stuff. But interestingly, not many people may know this, but before the Patriots became a football team, a lot of New Englanders rooted for the New York Giants um, because they were the closest team to them. So the state of Connecticut is actually kind of divided really into two fan bases. You'd have Southern Connecticut would be mainly Giants fans and then Northern, the Northern half of the state would be Patriots fans. So you do see quite a good few uh, Giants fans around um, Boston and also you, you see a few Bills fans as well. They travel down from Buffalo to work here in the city. Yeah. But uh yeah, I, I definitely get a bit of shit talk thrown my way and most of the time it's a bit of banter, you know. I'll I'll, I'll gently remind them that uh the, the Giants defense owns Tom Brady and they, they get fairly quiet pretty quickly <laughs> then they do. Yeah, no, you when you've got the two Lombardies to wave in their face, it, it, it definitely <laughs> helps. It's one of the few teams hey, that can actually talk shit back to the Patriots fans. If you're a New York Giants fan, you can say anything. Yeah, no, it's a it's a good weapon to have, definitely. Uh, obviously, this season hasn't started as as well as you would have hoped. Disappointing both weeks one and week two. Yeah, um, in the lead up to the season, I was worried. Uh, you know, there was a lot of hype surrounding the Giants, but I think a lot of that hype was directed towards the skill position players. So they had that great defense last year. Um, a year before that, they were thirty first in overall defense. They jumped into the top ten there last year. And they pretty much have the same guys back, maybe even a little bit of a better defense. Um, but they never really addressed the offensive line, um, either through the draft or free agency. There was, there was a couple of old line guys on the market that they could have taken a stab at, but um, they just didn't really address those needs. And it's showing now, I think anybody that's watched the Giants games can see how bad 
the the Giants' offensive line is. They don't really have a running game, and Eli is almost on his back foot with people in his face every pass he's trying to throw. So it's kind of it's negating the quality of player he has at you know the receiver position. He has Odell, who's just come back. He has the rookie tight end Evan Ingram, who who looks like a fantastic player. And even Brandon. Yeah, he really does. I'm a big fan of it. I'm a big fan of that. I, I, I really hoped he was going to drop to the, the Raiders in the second round of the draft, but there was no way you guys had your eyes on him from the start. Like, and he was a good pickup. Yeah, and the Giants haven't really had a really good pass catching tight end since Jeremy Shockey. So they've had these kind of hybrid guys are mainly blockers. But he's just a wide, he's mm. just a big wide receiver that's listed as a tight end. I think really he's not really there for his blocking yet. Um, but yeah, like I said, all these really, really good players at the skill position are being negated by the fact that the O line couldn't block a toilet. So the defense are <laughs> the defense are sadly getting run into the ground, and it's only week three now coming up. So um, I'm not very optimistic having having seen the the performance from the first two games. Sadly, and we'll we'll get into the picks now in a second, and the Giants are going to be part of those picks. But uh, who 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 be gone from New York first? Brandon Marshall or Ben McAdoo? I will say neither of them. I'll actually say the GM, Jerry Reese. I think he really? is, yeah, I think he's in big trouble. Um, you know, even the layman, the people that aren't crazy uh, into the New York Giants, um, just from an organizational standpoint and player standpoint, could see from last year that the O-line needed addressing them. He had ample opportunity. Um, to be honest with you, I think they could have gotten away with not having Ingram. Um, they have so much other talent around. They got Rhett Ellison from the Vikings, who's kind of a, a hybrid tight end fullback. I think they could have done with some guys there at tight end instead of Ingram, but they went with him instead of O-Lions. So I really think Reese is on the hot seat this year. And if they have a losing record, um, having gone 11-5 eleven and five in McAdoo's first year, I, I think he could be gone. I don't think they'll get, get rid of McAdoo. It's not really his fault that the GMs didn't mm. make the right draft picks. But um, in this game, you know, people want results now and New York being the market it's in, people want rings and stuff now. So who knows? They might get rid of him. But uh, I'd say Marshall will pack it in if they have a bad year. And I'd say Jerry Reese might be out the door with him, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, we get on to their game. It's a, a divisional game in a few minutes. But the first game is the Thursday night game. Not exactly the most attractive Thursday night game we've we've probably ever had, though better than last week. And you'll actually be in San Francisco for the when the Rams take on the 49ers, but you won't be at the game, I believe. Sadly not. No, I, it was only when I was looking at the, the 49ers schedule there this week. I, I had forgotten that they're playing Thursday night. I was going to try, maybe, if it wasn't too hungover from the wedding I was going to. I was uh, I was gonna try and get out there because I know the, the tickets are so cheap there at the moment in Santa Clara. You probably could have got a good seat for ten dollars, um, but then I realised that's actually on Thursday night. So pretty much just as I land in San Francisco, that game is going on. But um, yeah, I'll be interested to kind of get an idea from the fans, and um, maybe I'll do some podcast stuff myself out there. But it'll be interesting to see the vibe from the Forty ers fans this year because it doesn't really seem like they've latched on I, I thought they'd you know with the new GM there John Lynch and these guys on defense they've added in the draft I thought I might put a few more arses in seats in Levi Stadium but it just doesn't seem to be happening at the moment yeah no it definitely doesn't Um, uh, but I suppose the fact that they gave the, the GM and the coach a six year contract shows that this is a, a long term rebuilding project so there'll be a lot of rope giving and a lot of, given to the, the two guys I think to kind of get that franchise back on their feet yeah I think this might be I mean, this is my bold prediction it's not too bold but I would make a stab at this being maybe the least populated or least attended game in the 2017 season a, because nobody really is seeming to care about the 49ers anymore. And B, it's the LA Rams and nobody really cares about them either. So it's not like you're going to have hordes of traveling fans going there um, to support the Rams. So I just think it's it's going to be very, very quiet in that stadium Thursday night. Plus, it's Thursday night football. People might struggle to get out to the game after work. And that it's just not a very attractive prospect for Thursday night football at all. No, it's really not. But how do you see the game actually going? I think the I, I think the Rams are gonna win. Um Goff 
in his first game obviously looked great. I really like Cooper Cup. Um, he was one of my favorite. Being a wide receiver myself, he was one of my favorite receivers. I think his combine and his pro day at Eastern Washington University really made him fly up the draft boards and. He seems to be everything as advertised. He had a fantastic catch in week one. He had a touchdown, some good fantasy points if you're into that. Um, he seems to be building up great chemistry with Goff, which is, uh, to a lesser extent, it's almost like the chemistry um, Edelman would have with Brady. They just seem to have that connection so far. Uh, so I think Goff obviously took a step back in week two. He was going up against a better team in the Redskins. The Colts didn't really offer him much by... Uh, much of a, a struggle in game one but yeah I, I think the Rams are going to take it to be honest yeah like I mean there's there's some things to like about the 49ers I think the Forrest Buckner is a, a really good player and, and the D is it's a serve it's a serviceable defense but I, I just think yeah the, the, the 49ers have shown absolutely no ability to score points so far and, and the Rams have I think Goff is has kind of taken a step on from last season and he'll probably do so again this game. So I, I do agree with you. I think the Rams are, are, are going to uh, to come out on top in that one. Yeah. Um, the, the the next game we're, we're picking is the, the first London game of the season. I'm actually going to be there for work, um, humble brag and all that. But, uh, the, 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 uh, yeah, but then I have to watch the Jags play the Ravens. So I mean, who's the real loser here, you know? Um, you, you know, obviously you'll be, you'll be on, uh, Pacific time, so this will be a six thirty a.m. game for you. Uh, yeah, the, the Ravens are two and zero, the Jags are one and one, but but have played very similar games so far. Yeah, and just just to get back to the half six Pacific time, if that was an Irish wedding I was at out in San Francisco, I'd probably still be awake drinking, so I could probably go straight to <laughs> straight in front of the TV and watch the game. But uh, my the any American weddings I've gone to now are normally wrapped up by midnight, where us, us Irish people are only getting warmed up then. So. I can safely say I'll be wrapped up in my bed and I won't be watching that game. <laughs> but uh, I think the Ravens' defense of all this, the Ravens have been known, Ozzie Newsom has always put together fantastic defenses over the years, harping back to the, the Ray Lewis days. I think that the, the Ravens, their defense has to be good, I think, because Flacco is, you know, he had those doubts about his back coming into the season and... If Flacco doesn't really play well, I don't think their offense really does anything. So their defense has to be good. Um, I yeah, I just they they've forced ten turnovers in their first two games, so that's a pretty mm-hmm. that's a pretty good stat. If you're a Baltimore fan, that's kind of like the stats you would have seen, um, a couple of years ago with that really good defense. So I just think that the Ravens are gonna have too much for Bartles. Uh, he showed a bit of promise in game one, to be fair. But he has thrown like 51 interceptions, I believe, in four years, which is the most in the league. I thought he might take a step forward in his progression in week one, but he he kind of seems to be a bit wishy-washy. So now that he's lost, Alan Robinson, who tore his ACL, that's his number one target in the receiving game. Mm. I just don't think he has enough weapons at his disposal to hang in there. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've kind of hummed and hawed over, over this game a little bit. Um, I, I completely agree with you on the strength of the Ravens, D, especially the takeaways. But I, I'm also aware they've played two of the worst teams in the NFL so far in the Bengals and Browns. So, That's true, yeah. Um, and they're both divisional games as well, which, you know, you know yourself, they, they, you kind of play those games a little bit harder than you do maybe the, the non-divisional games. The Jags, to me, I think it, this this game is if if one team goes down by by eight points or more at any stage, they they lose. I don't see either quarterback as being capable of putting their their team out of a hole. So, but um, I I think the Jags are the nominal home team here, and mm. and it, that's not not the reason I'm giving it. I just think, you know, they are capable of great defensive performances as they showed with their 10 sacks against Houston in week one. And, you know, if they if they put Flack on the ground, I mean, he is just coming back from a back injury. Any one of those sacks could cause, you know, Flacco to leave the game. And at that stage, the Ravens are in, are in big trouble. So for me, the Jags, just about probably by, by, by between one and three points. But for me, the Jags, I think are going to take that one. Yeah, and they have Calais Campbell, who is one of the best, still one of the best D linemen in the league. He's a sack machine. So, yeah. He could put Flacco on his arse on one of those sacks if he gets one, and you never know how his back is going to hold up to that. Mm, no, yeah, so you're going for the Ravens, aren't you? I am, yeah, I'm going with the Ravens. Yeah, yeah, 
yeah so we're 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 we we slightly differ there <laughs> I, I wonder will we I, I wonder will we will we differ on this one so it's your own new york football giants versus philadelphia eagles and uh, oh. we've spoken about the the giants woes so far the eagles had a had a good opening week one win but uh we're, we're kind of pulled back around by the chiefs last week yeah um yeah the chiefs i mean they didn't have as good a game as they did in the, the Thursday night opener against the Patriots, but they still showed a bit of a bit of bottle there to, to get the job done in the second half. And yeah, I just I can't see the Giants winning. Um the Detroit Lions got five sacks on Eloy and they're not as highly advertised as that new look Eagles defense. My colleague Jer has been uh, was hyping them up for the last couple of weeks and they seem to be living up to the billing. I just think that they're gonna overwhelm the Giants offensive line. Eloy is going to be in trouble and, you know, it, it's not going to make a damn difference that he has all these amazing receivers and stuff. Now, to be fair, Eloy, he actually didn't have the worst game in the world against the Lions because he was having to do pretty much everything himself. Mm. He was having to make throws at, like, awful angles. His footwork was all over the place because his old line were pretty much on top of him. But you look at the stats, given the amount of pressure he had on him in that game, I'm amazed he actually completed the amount of passes he did. And... A lot of drops by the receivers. He had a very yeah. a very bad drop for a first down by Marshall deep down the sideline. Awful technique for a wide receiver in the National Football League. He had one or two drops by uh, Odell as well, um, trying to make moves before actually making the catch, which is you know one of the first things you're coached not to bloody do as a receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So his receiver certainly didn't help him out. Um, if they had made those catches and that punt hadn't have been returned for a touchdown, who knows? But I just, the, luckily the Giants have a good defense. Um, so let's hope that he gets pressure on Carson Wentz. Um, Steve Spagnolo dials up a few corner blitzes like he did on Monday night. Who knows what's going to happen. But if it turns into a shootout, and it looks like Carson Wentz is able to put up points there with his new receivers. He's got Tory Smith, um, as well as Alshon Jeffrey, who sometimes you just throw a jump ball up to him. And Eli Apple got beaten on a on jump ball by Jones, Marvin Jones, and he's not, you know, a superstar wide receiver. So if Janoris Jenkins no. is out again, I just think that uh, the Eagles are just going to have too much for the Giants and they're going to beat them. Yeah, I, I, I think I have to agree with you. I think the, the Eagles are probably have too many advantages going into this game to kind of see the Giants picking up the win. I think the the one the one way that Giants can win is getting pressure on Wentz. I think he's his passer rating drops something like nearly fifty points uh when he's under pressure compared to when he has a clean pocket. So, you know, that's it's you know, it's not beyond the, the, the realms of possibility that the Giants can create enough pressure there to, to get their first win in the season. But if they fall into a an own three hole, it's very difficult to see them make the postseason as the same scenario facing our next team, the the LA Chargers, who will play the Kansas City Chiefs this week. I mean, they 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 are potentially facing a, a situation where they've lost three games, and two of them are against divisional rivals in the best division in football. So this is a tough matchup for them against the Chiefs. It is, yeah, and you know they've lost they've lost two heartbreakers really. They lost. Um... And they missed that kick against the Dolphins on their first their first game in their new stadium. That was a bad way to lose a kick that should have been made. Maybe Novak would have made it if he was in there. He certainly seemed to have employed that he would have with his uh, his his little tweet that he sent out. So yeah, it's just hard that their kicker is it's in his head now, you know. And if a game comes down to a win field goal kick, geez, I wouldn't put any money on him at all. Just now that he's a little bit rattled. I just can't see I can't see the Chargers winning this. I think the Chiefs have too many weapons all over the place. Their defense is starting to come together. Um, you know, Alex Smith is starting to evolve from just a a kind of a safe game manager. He's he's starting to become a guy that can actually put up three hundred plus yards, throw touchdowns to a load of different guys and spread the love. I just think, yeah, that the Chiefs um have a lot of troublemakers on offense that it's, it's just going to be too much for the Chargers to deal with, really. Yeah, I, I like. I, I I want both teams to lose as a Raiders fan. Um, <laughs> of course. I yeah, I know that. So I know, and I know that won't happen. Um, I, I everything tells me that the Chiefs should win this game. They've won the last six in a row against the Chargers. That's a very long streak in a division rivalry, uh, uh, and. Uh, 
it makes no sense at all, but I'm picking the Chargers in this game. And not just to be contrarian, because I keep getting accused of making contrarian picks every now and again. <laughs> but my last contrarian pick was the Broncos to beat the Cowboys, and that worked out all right for me. So um, I, 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 I'm hoping that uh, uh, lightning will strike twice in two weeks for me. Uh, so, yeah, so we're, 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 we've, we've kind of agreed on two and, and differed on two. Um, and with two left to go with the... The Washington professional football team will be hosting <laughs> the uh, the Oakland the Oakland Raiders this week. Um, to me, there's only there's only going to be one winner this game, but uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Redskins by about eighty points. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I think yeah, I think the Raiders uh, they look fantastic. Even though I did go against them in week one um, of our of our uh, panel of picks, um, I I was bitten in the arse a little bit on that. Um, because they beat the Titans, obviously. But yeah, Derek, they, Derek Carr has seemed to have come back from his injury. He looks fantastic. He has playmakers everywhere. Uh, you know, he got uh, Patterson involved in, in the last game for a touchdown. He has two fantastic receivers at his disposal. Um, if he can get Jared Cook involved a little bit more, he has him. He has Marshawn Lynch. I mean, he's spoiled for riches, really. Um, he has all these playmakers that he can go to. Um, but just, yeah, the receiving card that they have there with Crabtree and Cooper is probably one of the best in football. And I can just see them putting up a lot of points. This one could be a shootout. I think it could be. Um, I think Cousins has been involved in many shootouts over the years. And he seems to rise to the occasion when it's just a pure, you know, two drop back passers and just who can fire the most touchdowns in 60 minutes. So I do think that there could be a lot of points here. I saw the over under is 54. Um, mm. I think there could be like 60 points in this game um, but I think that the Raiders will be on the right side of the result I just think that they, they're they going to put up a lot of points on offence and you know they're starting to come together on defence you might disagree but I know you said that they had some, some concerns on the defensive side of the ball um, coming into the season and they did give 20 points away to the Jets at home as well but I think they can afford to do that I just think that their, their offence will score enough where they can negate their defensive shortcomings. I think this could be another case of it this week against Washington. Yeah, I, I, I think so too. There's a lot there's a lot to like about the Raiders this year. Um and, and even, you know, try to put an objective journalism hat rather than my Raiders fandom hat on. <laughs> I think that you, you you look at what they've built there, they've built the the most expensive offensive line in the league, but it's also the best this season so far. They're only giving up two pressures a game on, on average, so four in the total the whole season. And you know, Derek Carr has has stepped up in another level. It seems again this year. Like you know, it's it's very early days, but it's hard not to see him being in the MVP conversation come the end of the season if he kind of continues the form he's shown lately. And and yeah, to me, I think what I'd really like to see is that the Raiders have comfortably taken care of business so far mm. uh, in the two games against one really good team, I think in the Titans uh, and one poor team in, in the Jets. They didn't play down to the Jets level. Yeah. Um, and that was really important. And I'd, I'd like to see them you know, go into the, the capital and, and take, just, just take care of business Um, just do your job to, to, to steal a, to steal a, a Bill Belichick-ism, um, rather than just win, baby, I, I, I'd like to see a more comfortable situation than that, I have to say. so. But yeah, I still think the Raiders will have enough. And, and, and then the last game is, I suppose it's a weird one, because the, 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 the Cardinals have obviously had serious issues, especially on offense so far this year. Carson Palmer looks a shadow of himself. Mm. Um, but the Dallas Cowboys are coming off their worst performance in in a season and a half, maybe from the back end of two seasons ago to, to all of last season, they were very poor against the Broncos. They were, yeah. As, and I was delighted. So I was delighted there about it. <laughs> Being a Giants fan, I can't get enough of the Cowboys getting spanked. Um, but the Cowboys, yeah, they lost that game. They're on, they have another road game now. Um, and this is the home opener for the Cardinals. That's normally a tough combination when you have a team that's kind of already limping and beat up a little bit. And then they have to go and play in a stadium where the fans are getting to see their team for the first time this year. I think that the home side or the home fans rather in Phoenix are, are gonna get behind our team. I do think Carson hasn't really got much left on the clock. Um he's you know, he's getting old. I think he's in his late thirties now, is he? Or is he even has he uh, touched forty? I'm not too sure. 
No, um, he's 38, I think. So he's getting on in years, and he's definitely not on the Tom Brady diet where he's um, eating, <laughs> eating all sorts of green plants and drinking his own urine and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I just think that a lot of these guys on the Cardinals are, are kind of, this is the last year or two, Larry Fitz as well. Just He's, he's come back. He's kind of prolonging his, his retirement, I think, or prolonging his stay in the league. I don't really think he has much time left. But the Cardinals' offense has been hampered massively by David Johnson. Like, if you look at many fantasy football drafts, David Johnson was the number one pick for most of the people we asked. And that's very hard to replace when he's putting up so, yeah. so many points and so many yards from the line of scrimmage. When a guy like that goes down and a lot of your offense is built around his rushing and pass-catching abilities, it's very, very difficult to replace that. And they don't really have an amazing back and that's going to step in and make that sort of contribution. So having said that, I think the Cowboys, are, are their tail is firmly between their legs after that loss to the Broncos. I still think that there is enough juice left in Carson Palmer's tank to get the ball around to his receiving card. Now, they're not the worst receiving card in the league. I think he still has playmakers there that can get the job done. I think that the mm. Cardinals will squeak out a tight one, but it's... It is going to be tight. I'd say the Cardinals by three or four points, and that's about it. If they win, wow, that's that's a that is a brave call. That's the call <laughs> of the week. I think uh, to, to me, to me, no, it's 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 the Cowboys will bounce back. Um, I I watched. I don't know how it happened, but I ended up watching a lot of the Colts and Cardinals game, and it was it it was one of the worst games of football I've ever seen. It, it's like if you left. Madden running and two toddlers <laughs> came in and started playing it um, it was a bit like that uh, but yeah look I, I feel sorry for the Cardinals obviously it was a season that they, their, their window for winning a Super Bowl is closing really rapidly and David mm. Johnson was a massive part of that and now he's not there um, and it's a lot to ask of. and I, I gave Carson Palmer a year he's not 38 until December but He's still in the upper echelons of a in the in terms of age of quarterback. Absolutely, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think when you're when you've got a backfield that's you know Carson Palmer and Chris Johnson, you know that's fine in 2005. <laughs> I'm not sure it's going to do you much good in 2017. So for me, the Cowboys uh, a bounce back game for for Dak and uh, and and Zeke in that game. Okay. So we yeah. We 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 have uh, differing opinions on three of the six games, which is which is good. So we should have a good spread on uh, to 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 touch back on next week when we catch up and see what the score was. But uh, obviously, you're involved with the the your host of the the Paddy Pigskin podcast. Uh, do you want to tell listeners of the Safety Dance podcast why they should be subscribing to yours as well? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, thanks for the the shameless plug. I appreciate. Um... <laughs> Yeah, like you asked me at the start there how we get into football and, you know, having played it and coached it and obviously watching a lot of football and, you know, playing with guys over here that play at a good level. I'd be watching TV and it'd be one of those cases where I'd say something pretty analytical and then straight away then the commentator would say almost the exact thing and my girlfriend was like, Jesus, will you not channel this energy into something more productive and stop annoying me? So I was like, do you know what? Maybe I'll start up my own podcast and... There are, there are a lot of podcasts out there, um, not as many from Irish guys, so it's great that um, yourself and myself are starting to get kind of Irish voices out there. Um, but I think living in the US kind of gives it like a little bit of a unique slant, especially for local teams. We kind of, we hear a lot of the beat writers and stuff like that for the New England Patriots, but uh, I've been very lucky that living over here, I've been able to, like yourself, you get to go to some of these amazing events and we got to go to some of the training camps over the summer and, and do some Facebook live and stuff. So yeah, um for people that are interested in listening, we, we just like to have the crack. Um we swear sometimes, we drink a beer and you'll probably hear us clinking glasses and uh our our tagline is less slant more slancha. So even though I'm a Giants nice. fan, I still like to keep it, you know, fairly down the middle. So we try and have less of a slant on things and more slancha, meaning that we like to have the crack while we're doing it. So, uh, and we have a few good segments on the show. So if you're into fantasy football and all those type of things, I'm a big fan of it. So I try and give out um, as best advice as possible each week. So yeah, if you're interested, Paddy Pigskin, it's on most of the, the podcast directories. You can find us there. 
excellent and if you need a, an added incentive uh we we do a podcast swap this week because i'm actually a, a guest on, on yeah. paddy pigskin this week where we do a deep dive on the AFC West and discuss the amount of shade that kickers can send on Twitter. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. No, it was great. Um, great to have you on. And yeah, it was a great crossover edition this week. Yeah, uh, I, I think I said it on Twitter earlier. It's like when Magnum P.I. turned up in Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> this is the podcast example of that. Listen, Gary, it's been great to have you on. And no doubt we'll chat again soon before the season's over. Great. Thanks very much for having me on, Stephen. He dives for the end zone. Didn't make it. He came up one yard short. Didn't make it. Didn't make it. Time runs off. That's it. That's it. We won it. So that was our pick six for this week. I, I'm not as confident as I was last week. There's a lot of road favourites. So I, I, four and two would be a great result again, I, I, I hope. But this weekend in general, I mean, what are you looking forward to? It's the, it's the first London game of the, of the season. So we've got football from half two in the afternoon. Is there anything in particular standing out for you? Um, well, the, the, I suppose it's... The standard London game won't be uh, anything. I suppose it'll whet the appetite for us to come later, but it's uh, it's not going to be the best game by any means. But I am uh, one game I did pick out to that I am looking forward to is the Lions and the Falcons, because obviously, like it, it, it's it's another chance to see those Falcons see whether the confidence is back um, and see what they can do against a team that has been pretty pretty good this year like uh, and I'm not just saying that because they bet the Cardinals in week one mm-hmm. but um, Matt Safford has looked very very good and he's kind of backing up the Lions giving him all that money so I, I, I think for me that's going to be pick of the weekend now and this was a matchup that I'm looking forward to seeing it, it, it'll tell a lot for for the Falcons first of all like whether they have kind of come over the initial kind of disappointing performance against the Bears but I think it'll, there's also a lot for the Lions as well because like they're, they're playing a proper proper good opposition now in the Falcons and a good defence so um, that that's kind of one that I'm looking forward to personally yeah as I mentioned during the pick six I mean one of my one of the games I'm looking forward to is, is the Raiders against Washington um, the Raiders have had a, 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 a road win against a a good team they've had a home win against a bad team and and weirdly the trickiest match of them all is an, a road game against an average team mm. average to poor you could argue that Washington are so that that's going to be interesting the 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 sadist in me is looking forward to the Browns and the Colts because you know someone's O has to go, someone finally <laughs> has to win a game this season, and, and from a weird point of view, the the the, the London game I'm going to be there, uh, not necessarily humble break. <laughs> well, I'm not necessarily looking forward to. I, I don't. I'm not under any illusion as to how good the product on the field is going to be. But I, I, I have a feeling that both these teams are at a really similar level. Even yeah. if, if the, the 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 Ravens have maybe deceived a little bit so far. I mean, they've played arguably two of the worst teams in the league in in the Bengals and in in the Browns and. They they've taken advantage of poor offensive line play, which mm. that's whoa. How many minutes in are we? And we've mentioned <laughs> the offensive line for the first time. Um, but yeah, that that to me is like going to be compelling. I, again, not just being there, but I suppose to to see Blake Bortles' infamous throwing action in, in real life will 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 be something. It's like going to the circus. It, it, it is a little bit like going to the circus. And then uh, to, to me, and I, I know you might be looking at it from behind your sofa, but Monday night football between the Cardinals and Cowboys because you know that's, we have stuck with this <laughs> well just a little bit because as we said earlier like it's the first poor performance of Dak Prescott's career let's see what he's made of how get, he get him while he's down yeah has Zeke Elliott you know a, a lot of sports writers have been critical of Elliott this year this week because you know he didn't maybe put in as much effort as he could have they, they said he quit on the game to be honest like you don't know what's happening on the field mm. yeah, as a sports writer up in a press box, so I think that's rubbish. But yeah, there's, I think, and the, finally, the, the the Seahawks and Titans. I think they're two two teams that 
I think the Titans could get a really good win against Seattle this week. I think they've got the players to absolutely destroy that Seattle offensive line. Um, and yeah, I think the Seahawks could be falling to one and two, while and and that will make the Raiders win over the Titans look even better from week <laughs> one. But yeah, and, and I suppose the 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 last thing uh, is which of your fantasy football players will go to IR <laughs> this week after Corey Coleman, Julian Edelman, and David Johnson? Yeah, yeah, um, I'll I'll get the team up there here now. We can we can go go through the, the most likely. <laughs> so if if you are a fan of any of these teams, these are the players that are going to get injured. Yeah, this it, I I've kind of I've prophesized it so. It's Corey Coleman was kind of he was getting covered in for Edelman, whereas like Edelman and David Johnson were my first and second picks. So, yeah, well, my my current uh, first first running back is Marshawn Lynch. So hopefully you, you do not <laughs> get Marshawn Lynch injured. <laughs> um, who else? Um, Alex Smith. So that could derail the the Chiefs. Power rankings there. I'm not going to complain about, about <laughs> the Chiefs if, if Alex Smith goes down for a game or two. A lot of the rest of them now are just kind of guys I've drafted in to, to, to make up the numbers after my, my team got decimated before. But yeah, so Alex Smith and Marshawn Lynch are the. I'm coming for you. Well, if you're a Chiefs fan or a Raiders fan, pray for pray for Beast Mode and pray for Alex Smith. <laughs> Look, that's all we have time for this week. Thanks as always for joining us. If you want to take part in Pick Six, just hit it us hit us up at Safety Dance Pod. We're manning that account most of the time. One of us will get back to you. Uh, and yeah, like thanks for listening. It's always appreciated. You can find us on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, on iTunes, everywhere. There's good podcasts and bad podcasts too. <laughs> Enjoy your weekend of football. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Little flip to Fitzgerald, he scores! We ain't got to do nothing special now. We just got to do our job. We can dance if we want to. We can leave your friends behind. Because your friends don't dance, and if they don't dance, well, the... No.